0: Building Stronger Creatives, a fitness podcast for musicians, artists, nerds, and former misfits. I'm a former out-of-shape professional musician turned personal trainer and nutrition coach to hundreds of clients, and I'll give you no-nonsense information about what it really takes to get and stay fit within the context of a creative life. Here, you'll find practical advice on strength and endurance training, sane and simple nutrition, habit-building, and time-management tools to help you make lifestyle changes that actually stick. Most fitness coaches have no clue what it really means to be a creative, whether you're a professional or a passionate hobbyist. I'm different, I've been where you are, and I share your values. Let me show you how you can use the gym to build a kick-ass creative life. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Building Stronger Creatives. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the best type of exercise for fat loss. I think the answer might surprise you. But before we discuss all of that, I want to give you a couple of announcements and reminders. The first is a reminder that the next round of my Sane and Simple Nutrition Group Coaching Program begins on Monday, April 10th. Now this is my signature six-week group nutrition coaching program. I'm going to give you exactly what you need to start losing weight, to maintain your results when you stop dieting, and to change your eating habits for life. I don't necessarily expect you to lose all, all the weight you have to lose or totally transform your eating in six weeks. But I want you to think of this course as a uh, runway to greater success down the road. So if you have been struggling with your body goals or with nutrition goals, if you're feeling confused or overwhelmed by all the conflicting information out there, if you're tired of all of the bullshit fad diets and promises and you want to know what actually works, get really down to brass tacks and talk about fundamentals of good nutrition and fat loss. This is the course for you. Like I said, the program is six weeks long. It's a small group and I'm going to cap admission if it gets too large because I want it to be a nice, safe, intimate container. Now, if you're at all interested in the program, you I strongly encourage you to join the waitlist. The waitlist does not obligate you to sign up for the program or the course, but what it does do is it gives you first dibs on enrollment and it will help you save a little bit of money because waitlist members are going to get a discount. So if you think you might be interested in this course, go ahead and join the waitlist. It's carolinejusterfitness.com slash sane and simple nutrition. And I'll also drop that link in the show notes. Just throw yourself on the waitlist and then you don't have anything to lose when the course is launched in uh, late March, early April, you're going to get first dibs and a discount. The second announcement I want to give is that I have a few openings for one-on-one online coaching. Now, if you're not familiar, this is the really what's at the core of my business. I really love working with people one-on-one, especially musicians, artists, or creative people who work office jobs. Working with me one-on-one is really the best way to get an exercise program, a nutrition program, and coaching that's totally and completely tailored to you, your history, your needs, the way you like to be coached, everything is all about you. And I really get to put all of the things that I've learned through my years of coaching and study and practice toward helping you achieve your goals. Now, I'm typically helping people get stronger by introducing more consistent strength training, or if they're already a consistent lifter, by really taking their workouts to the next level and making them more fun and effective. Or sometimes we are helping people lose weight, or helping people learn to build eating habits that really fuel their busy lives. So for example, I've had a lot of creative clients where we worked on how do I put together meals and eat on the go when I have a really crazy performance and rehearsal schedule, stuff like that. So again, it's totally tailored to you. If you're interested in this, you can go to carolinejusterfitness.com slash stronger, fitter, better. Now on that website, there will be a link to sign up for a call. When I work with someone one-on-one, because it's such a close relationship, and it's, a, it's an investment. I want to make sure that it's a great fit for both of us. So you're going to book a call with me and then we're going to get on the phone and talk about your goals and how I can best help you. So you won't be able to just sign up for coaching on that page. It'll take you to a call sign up link and then we'll move forward from there. All right, so let's get into the episode. One of the biggest questions when it comes to fat loss is what is the role of exercise? And more specifically, what types of exercise are best for fat loss? Now, when most people start a fat loss journey, and this was me many years ago, the approach that they take is they start doing a shit ton of cardio. It's typically cardio like going to the gym and jogging if they have any skill with running or they get on the elliptical or they get on the Stairmaster and they just slog away and they do that every day. If they lift weights, it's often some type of fast paced class all-out Orange Theory Fitness or CrossFit because people think if I'm lifting weights, I still need to be burning a ton of calories like I am on the cardio machine. Or people think like, I need to keep my body guessing by changing up my workouts all the time in order to see results. There's not much thought, if any, paid to activity outside the gym. And that's really the approach that most people take. Now, this approach might work, but it's far from optimal. And in some cases, it can actually make it harder for you to lose weight. So I'm gonna explain what I think are the main priorities when it comes to exercise for fat loss. Now, some of this may surprise you. I'm going to try to bust some myths along the way. I'm going to try to explain exactly what your metabolism is and how you can and cannot impact it. And then I'm going to give you a prescription based on how much time you have for what you should be doing for exercise when you want to lose weight. So what is the number one top best exercise method, top priority for fat loss? Walking steps, daily low-intensity activity. Now, I wanna explain why this is the case. Let me back up first and tell you a little bit more about your metabolism. So when people say your metabolism, it's basically a fancy way of saying like all of the energy that your body is using throughout the day. And there's essentially four categories here. You have your basal metabolic rate. This is the calories that your body uses to keep you alive without doing anything. So really, if you were in a coma in the hospital, God forbid, you would still be burning your BMR, basal metabolic rate. Now, this is the vast majority of calories you burn in a day, something like 70 or even 80 percent, depending on your activity levels. And there's not a lot that we can do to change this. A big determinant of BMR is just going to be body size. So people who live in bigger bodies will burn more calories than people who live in smaller bodies. This is one reason why... Uh, As an example, I've had couples where the woman is a lot shorter than the man and the woman's been trying really hard to lose weight and it's challenging because she has to eat so few calories to see results. And the man who's, you know, a good six, seven inches taller, all he has to do is give up pizza or beer or something like that and he loses 20 pounds without doing anything else. You've probably seen or heard some variation of this before. I know how unfair it is for you smaller listeners out there, men and women, but this is something that we really can't change. Other factors that affect BMR are going to be genetics or like limb you know, limb length and, and amount of muscle tissue that you have naturally, things like related to body size and shape. And then gender as well. Men are going to burn more calories than women and also age. So there's a lot of... Uh, noise about how your metabolism just really, really slows down when you get like 30. But the research actually suggests that metabolism is more or less the same if you continue to stay active really up to about your 60s. And then after your 60s, you start to have a steady decline in your BMR. So age maybe isn't as big of a factor as we think it is, but it certainly helps when you're very young, you're going to have a higher BMR. And when you're in the later decades of your life, it's probably gonna be a little bit slower. So that's the biggest part of your metabolism. Another part of your metabolism probably makes about 10% is called the thermic effect of food. So basically when we eat, that requires us to expend calories. We have to chew our food, we have to swallow it, our stomach has to process it, it gets digested, it gets stored and shuttled, and then some of it is expelled from the body. And all of that burns calories. Like I said, up to about 10% probably of your total daily burn. Now there's not really a whole lot you can do to control this, however, of all of the types of food, protein is gonna have the highest thermic effect. So basically, when you eat protein versus when you eat carbs or fats, you burn a few more calories just eating and processing that food. So when you're dieting, you know, eating a higher protein diet has a lot of benefits. And one of them is that it might have a very slight positive impact on your metabolism. But that's not really a lever that we have a ton of control over either. The third lever or component of metabolism is exercise. Okay, so we're talking intentional Exercise where you're basically in zone two heart rate or above, so not walking, not stuff that's where you're moving, but it's pretty easy. We're talking about you know working hard, working up a little bit of a sweat, or at least being at a more moderate intensity. And exercise actually doesn't burn all that many calories. It's probably also about like ten percent, maybe a little bit higher if you're exercising a lot. And we are really we don't burn as many calories during our workouts as we think. One of the biggest Um, letdowns in the fitness industry is if you use either a cardio machine or some type of wearable tracker to tell you how many calories you're burning. These things always, always overestimate. So you might be on the elliptical and it tells you you burn like 600 calories and you feel really great about that, but really you probably burn significantly less. So it's just not Yes, exercise is important and it it does burn calories, which matter for fat loss, but it actually is a much smaller lever than we often give it credit for. This is one reason why when I talk about exercise, I'm actually really passionate about encouraging people not to think about exercise as a calorie burner. And instead to think about all of the other fantastic benefits of exercise. So improving our heart health, making our joints happy and healthy, giving us more energy, giving us physical strength and muscle. Like all of these things don't have anything to do with burning calories, but they still have a really profound effect on how we look and and how we feel and on our health. So it's the final part of metabolism that we often overlook or we don't think it's nearly as important as it is and this is also the one lever that we have a lot of control over and that we should focus on when we're talking about fat loss this is something called NEAT it's an acronym that stands for non-exercise activity thermogenesis kind of a mouthful basically it means any non-exercise activity that you're doing throughout the day so there are a lot of things that fall into this as I'm recording this podcast, I'm talking with my hands, which is something that I do. That hand movement falls into neat. If you're a fidgeter like me, or you're blinking, or you're writing, you're typing, those small movements all count as neat. The other thing that counts as part of neat is walking. So Unless you are very, very deconditioned, which means you just haven't been exercising at all, and so walking is really challenging, that's gonna probably not be most people listening to this podcast, and it's probably a small chunk of the population. For most of us, walking is too low of an intensity to actually count as exercise, it counts as NEAT. And this is beneficial for a few reasons. Now, I mentioned that NEAT can really impact our metabolism. Depending on how much you're moving throughout the day, NEAT can be as high as up to 30% of your total metabolism. Like that's a massive percentage. If you had control, if that's the most that you could control, you know, you can't really control your BMR so much, you can't control the thermic effect of food so much, you know, it only makes sense that you would put a lot of effort into increasing this one side of the metabolism that you have more impact on. Now, there are a couple of problems with focusing on traditional exercise that that you don't encounter when you focus on walking when fat loss is the goal so when you do a lot of cardio there's okay so cardio is super important for heart health and over the years i've definitely become more of a proponent of cardio for a long time i did cardio and then i was like a big meathead and i thought cardio will kill your gains and now i've basically swung in the other direction So I do encourage everybody to do a little bit of cardio, but for fat loss, there's absolutely a line where doing too much cardio is going to affect your appetite. So when we talk about the calories in, calories out equation, defining body shape and size, meaning like if we want to lose weight, we have to take in fewer calories and put out more calories. On that calories inside, hormones and mental states that affect hunger are actually really powerful. So This is why getting sleep is important for fat loss, because if you don't get sleep, your cravings are going to be higher, you're going to be hungrier, and it's going to be a lot harder to stick with diet. Same thing with doing too much cardio. If you do too much cardio, you're going to be super fucking hungry. Anybody who's done a lot of cardio knows this. Anyone who's trained for an endurance event that requires them to do a lot of cardio knows this. So this is just not conducive to diet success. Because a, you're not really increasing your total calories burned that much, as we mentioned earlier, through through cardio workouts. And B, if your appetite is through the roof, you're gonna negate any calories that you burn through exercise anyway. So it's not really conducive to fat loss. There is another reason why walking is important. When we are dieting, our brains are constantly on alert and they don't want the change. So sure, one part of your conscious brain wants to lose fat, wants to be thinner, whatever. But the more primal animalistic part of your brain much prefers homeostasis. Your brain does not want your body to change. It wants to maintain the status quo. And so it will fight you subconsciously and make it harder for you to lose weight by doing things like reducing movement throughout the day. So You might go in and crush an awesome cardio workout. You might feel really happy about yourself, but later in the day, you might just feel really tired and so you don't move around a lot. Maybe you don't go for a walk. Your brain might also do crazy shit like you might blink less or fidget less, you know, things that you're not consciously aware of at all. And this all adds up. So over the course of a day, you might actually burn fewer calories because of this compensatory energy reduction that your brain is doing in the background. I know the more you learn about the stuff, the more unfair it seems and the more it makes sense why sometimes it can be really challenging for us to lose weight. Not only is our environment battling us with delicious tasty foods everywhere we look, but our brain is also battling us because it doesn't want to have a change in the body. So that being said, walking helps with this. Walking is low intensity enough that it's not going to impact your appetite the way that cardio would. So Walking a lot is probably not going to make you hungrier, but doing a lot of cardio very likely will make you hungrier. Walking is also a great way to combat this compensatory energy reduction because it's something that you can do consciously as a habit that you're building and working to implement, and it's going to get you moving throughout the day. So you won't be sitting as much because you're like, well, I'm tired, but and I did a workout or whatever, but I know I was planning to go for a walk right now. And so that's what I'm going to do. So it not only helps you with your appetite and your eating, but it also keeps you moving and means less energy is going to be cut off by your brain trying to keep you still. Another way to think about this, really the last thing that I'll say about why walking is so helpful is even if you exercise every day. You're only in the gym a few hours a week, but you're awake and potentially eating and moving or not moving, you know, another 16 to 18 hours every single day. So that's a lot more time. And that is why you have a lot more control over your metabolism through the avenue of neat and walking than just through exercise. So what should you aim for in terms of steps? So first of all, if you've never tracked steps before, but you have a smartphone, your smartphone has most likely been tracking your steps in the background. So I can't speak to Android because I don't have one, but I imagine it's the same. With Apple, if you go to your health app, the app has been tracking your steps in the background. So it it might not be perfectly accurate, especially if you don't always have your phone on your person, but go in there and take a look and just get a sense of what you've been doing on average for steps. If you already have some type of a fitness wearable like an Apple Watch, an Aura ring, a Fitbit, or a Whoop, those things are also tracking your steps. So we want to look at averages, and ideally we want to look at a lot of averages or trends over time. And anything less than five to seven thousand steps on average is considered sedentary. Now, some people will have to be here temporarily due to illness or injury or things like that but if you are relatively healthy you really don't want to live in sedentary land it is just not great for your body it's not great for your brain you're probably burning very few calories through movement which means if you're trying to lose fat you're going to have to cut calories more be you know a little bit tighter on the diet front and probably be a lot hungrier and that's just not a very great place to lose weight from so I strongly encourage you at a minimum aim for 7,000 steps on average over the long term now unless you're someone who's already getting like 20,000 steps a day in which case you really don't need me to convince you of the benefits of walking because you're already enjoying them there's really no downside to just doing more steps so you get to 7,000 and then you get to 10,000 12,000 14,000 even the more you walk the more calories Your metabolism is going to burn, the more food you're going to be able to eat and potentially still lose weight. Now, I understand that it might not be practical to walk 14,000 steps a day if you have a job. I totally get it, but I would be willing to bet that you can walk more than you're walking right now if you make it more intentional and you try to sort of hack your environment to make it more conducive to walking. So, I hope. I've convinced you of the importance of walking. It is really great for your metabolism. It's going to counteract some of the negative effects of dieting and it's going to make it so that you can eat more food and still lose fat. So just because walking is most important doesn't mean that other types of intentional exercise are not also important. My number two priority for fat loss is going to be strength training and not the type of strength training that I mentioned in the intro where you're running all over the gym like a chicken with your head cut off, you're throwing, jumping, you know, over obstacles, you're doing different shit, your brain's going a million miles a minute, you never take any rest. Those workouts are fun and you can do them sometimes, but they are really more of cardio workouts than lifting workouts. When we're lifting weights for fat loss, our main goal is going to be to maintain and build strength and muscle, especially. Muscle is challenging to build. If you've never tried before, you're going to have to take my word for it. But I've been trying to intentionally build muscle for many years, and I really don't have that much muscle on my frame, even after intentionally trying. And, And it's easier for men than for women. But you know, if you're you're spending a lot of time working out, um, you don't want to lose that through dieting. First of all, so if you're already someone who's lifting, it doesn't make sense when you start dieting to go into this crazy hyperactive lifting mode. You want to hold on to that hard-earned strength and muscle. And if you're someone who's never done it before, you want muscle for lots of other reasons. Muscle keeps your joints happy. You need muscles in order for your joints to work well. This is especially important for performing artists who rely on their joints to create and perform and do their jobs. Muscle is going to make your life easier. When you're stronger, you can do more shit with less effort. You don't have to ask for help. You can carry things. You can lift things. You feel more confident and more independent. So there are all these other benefits of muscle that go beyond just appearances they really do improve your function if we are talking more of like a vanity aesthetics perspective when you diet like i mentioned if you're not giving your body a reason to hold on to that muscle tissue that's really expensive for it to maintain it's going to get rid of it so not only are you going to lose body fat but you're going to lose muscle tissue and what's going to happen is that yes you might have a smaller number on the scale but most people don't want to lose fat just to look like a smaller version of their former selves. They want to look more fit they want to look athletic or toned whatever the words are that you would use. you don't just want to be a smaller muscleless person. Again, I'm not necessarily talking about looking like a bodybuilder because it's actually very difficult and requires you to eat in a way that's opposite of losing fat. But if we don't have any muscle in our frame, it's going to affect our function. We're probably not going to be thrilled with the way that we look, even if we do achieve our goal weight. So the types of workouts that we should be doing are going to be primarily focused on big compound lifts. This is a phrase I use a lot, but basically a compound lift is an exercise where you use a lot of joints and a lot of muscles at once. So something that would not be a compound lift would be a bicep curl or a calf raise or or a glute kickback. So we're really only using one joint and one muscle. Now there's nothing wrong with that stuff, but they're just not going to help you build the type of strength and muscle as a compound movement, like a squat or a lunge, a row, a push-up. Those are the movements that you really want to prioritize. I suggest doing most of your training in the six to 12 rep range, and I want you to try to get as strong as you can there. That means you might be adding a few reps each week and then you might be going up in weight and then adding more reps and then going up in weight again. That is how you maintain and build muscle and build strength. You wanna take rest in between your sets to allow you to use the heavy enough loads to actually build those adaptations. If you're constantly doing these crazy circuit workouts, like you might feel the burn and you might sweat, but you're not using heavy enough loads and often not good enough technique to really get the adaptations that are going to make the biggest difference in the weight room. So, lifting is really important because if we don't lift when we lose fat, we're going to lose muscle, and that has a lot of negative effects on our life. Your body doesn't want to hold on to muscle, you have to give it a reason to do so. So, it's really important that you continue to lift or start lifting when you're trying to lose fat. Now I'll also say that lifting can affect appetite somewhat, but not nearly as much as cardio. So if you're only going to do a couple of gym workouts a week for fat loss, I just suggest you make them all strength training workouts following this format that encourages building strength and muscle. And then just walk a shit ton outside of the gym. Now let's talk about cardio because this is still valuable I just want to make sure we keep it in in its proper place. So now we're at priority number three. And what I would suggest in terms of cardio is do some, if you enjoy it, if you want the heart health benefits and you have time, but keep it at a bare minimum. Only add more when your results stall. So what, let's say like, you're interested in the heart health benefits of cardio. I totally get it. I support that. So maybe we're going to do one or two moderate intensity cardio sessions each week. We're going to focus on lifting weights primarily, maybe another two or three workouts, or we could do the same workout. You know, you could do some cardio after you lift weights and we're going to walk. And we start doing that. We're focusing on our nutrition. We're seeing really good progress. There's no reason to do extra cardio. Extra cardio runs the risk, like I said earlier, of increasing your appetite, making you hungrier and eating more so that you sabotage your deficit, and it just makes it harder to move outside the gym. So what I would suggest is keeping cardio sessions to one or maybe two while you're trying to lose weight. Perhaps you could do one moderate intensity longer session and maybe one short session with some intervals, like 10 or 15 second intervals followed by rest periods, just as an example, and then don't add in any extra cardio unless you're doing everything else right and your progress isn't moving. Only then will we consider trying to boost cardio uh, calories through cardio. Otherwise, it's just not worth it. And honestly, in terms of fat loss, you're going to get a much better calorie burn benefit from walking and you might as well spend the rest of your time lifting weights. This is something that I've really changed my mind on over the years because so many people just default to doing cardio because it quote-unquote burns more calories. Hopefully by now you can see that that's kind of short-sighted. It doesn't really take into account how our metabolism actually works. It neglects the impact on appetite and on movement throughout the day. And it if you don't have a ton of time to work out, it just makes sense to prioritize strength training instead. So just to summarize this conversation If we want to lose fat, exercise is important. Yes, you could absolutely lose fat without ever exercising, but it's going to be a lot more difficult. And honestly, I think a lot less fun because it's really not that fun to just focus on dieting, but exercise can be fun. It can be fun and empowering. You connect with others. You're getting outside. There's so many benefits and it just makes the process a lot more enjoyable. And it also gives you a runway when you're ready to transition into maintenance on how to do that. What we would do there is a conversation for another episode. But for fat loss, the most important exercise priority is walking. Walking doesn't quote unquote count as exercise, but it's actually the single activity that has the biggest impact on how many calories you burn. If you're currently walking less than five to 7,000 cal- uh, steps a day, make that your first goal. Get to 7,000 steps on average and then get to 10, get to 12, push it. There's really no downside to this especially if you're pairing it with strength training and you're building lower body and core strength. The biggest exercise priority and the second priority overall for fat loss is strength training. And we don't want to be doing these random high-intensity lifting workouts. We want slower-paced workouts where we're focused on adding weight or reps or some other form of progress over time. We're doing mostly big compound movements. We're really working on our technique. We're pushing ourselves, we're taking enough rest between sets that we can actually go heavy. Those are the workouts that are going to help you build or maintain muscle as you diet. The final thing that you can do for fat loss is some cardio. Now, if you're someone who loves cardio, by all means, continue to do it. Just make sure you understand its place in the hierarchy and the potential costs of doing too much. If you're not doing any cardio or you hate it, the good news is that you can probably see great results by just walking more and lifting. If you want some of the benefits of cardio, but you don't want the downsides, I suggest for fat loss, For performance, if you have a different goal, you know, you might need to do a lot more cardio, but we're talking specifically for fat loss. I suggest one, maybe two cardio workouts a week and prioritize lifting and walking, and then don't add in any more cardio unless you're doing everything right, including your nutrition, and you're not seeing results. So I hope this was helpful. It's really a super easy way to think about things, um, but it does go against some of the conventional wisdom in fitness. So walk a shit ton walk as much as you possibly can lift weights get strong as hell and then use cardio appropriately until you hit your fat loss goal and then you can start to transition into more maintenance mode chasing performance goals and all of the other fun avenues you have available to you on your lifelong fitness journey so just once again as a reminder We are running Sane and Simple Nutrition again. I am running it. It's only me. (laughs) Um, It begins Monday, April 10th. So we're going to talk about exercise in that class, but we're also going to talk about all of the like nutrition and lifestyle things that go into losing and maintaining weight. There is a wait list, which you can join at carolinejusterfitness.com slash sane and simple nutrition, or just click the link in the show notes. I also have a few one-on-one coaching spots available. So um, if you're mostly interested in fitness, or if you want more tailored approach to your nutrition, this is the option for you. You can book a call to discuss next steps with me at carolinejusterfitness.com slash stronger, fitter, better, or again, click the link in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Building Stronger Creatives. If something you heard resonated with you, I would love for you to share this episode with someone else who might enjoy it. I also always appreciate comments, ratings, and reviews. These things help me get the word out to other creatives who could benefit from this type of information see you back on the next episode. Until then, stay curious, stay passionate, and stay strong.